Father, I pray that you would help us understand your word this morning. Help us understand what Paul meant as he penned these words to the church at Corinth. Help us to apply it to our lives in 2018. I thank you for these graduates. Thank you for all the hard work that they have put into not only their studies in school, but also their spiritual fervor. God, continue to make them more mature men and women in Christ. Help us see the beauty in the church, the unity and the diversity. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 27. It's a good chunk, so let's get started. And here we go. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more representable parts 
do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Paul gives an ironic statement right at the beginning in verse 1. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. The culture in Corinth really um, thought that they had superior knowledge. They, uh, pride, they took pride in their superior knowledge as a culture. And Paul here is calling them out and saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. What are you talking about, Paul? How can we be uninformed? We know everything. How do you do with a correction like that? Correction to giving of information that you may not know. Paul's assuming here that these people in Corinth, the church in Corinth, that don't know something, right? And he goes on, he says, you know, you do know something. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. <coughs> However, you were led. So he gives, he gives some foundation to what he says. You're, you're ignorant of spiritual matters because you were pagans. You, you weren't Jews, you were Gentiles before you came to Christ. You, you now are a part of Christ. You now believe in Christ and take him as your Lord and as your Savior. That's great. But there's some things, there's some issues here because you're starting to mix in your old pagan practices, your old pagan attitudes and values and behaviors with your new Christian faith. That's false spirituality. This is what the culture does today. And even uh, sometimes mainstream Christian media can send messages right, about God, who he is, maybe even throw some scripture in there, but then they blend it in maybe with their own kind of philosophy. Take, for example, God is love. Of course, God is love, right? We find that in scripture. God is love, but people take that and then they mix in their other desires, selfish desires, and say, well, since God is love, anything goes. He, it's his job to forgive me. It's his job to love me. So don't judge me. I'm not hurting anyone with any of my actions. Okay, so this is an example of mixing in cultural, selfish ideas, ideals with Christian faith. This is not true spirituality. True God-honoring spirituality will change us. We don't come in and change it to make us comfortable. So Paul gives them, the, the church in Corinth, a, a test to test the, the spirits, to test people who claim to be uh, Christians, perhaps, to claim to be in the spirit of God. He says, no one in the spirit of God is ever going to say, Jesus is accursed. And 
No one can say Jesus is Lord without being in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. So, pretty basic test, right? But this is what the the church in Corinth needs. They need this basic test. And honestly, we need this basic test. test. If, If you're a new believer and you're trying to figure out what this Christian life looks like, it's good to understand, first and foremost, Jesus is Lord. Anyone who says otherwise is not in the Spirit of God. They're not speaking in the Spirit of, of God. And so there's a clear distinction here, right? And there's a unity here. Those in the Spirit say, with their lips and with their life, Jesus is Lord. He's not just Lord of all and, and sovereign over everything. Yes, he's that. But he's Lord of my life. I'm submitting to him as Lord. No one can say that without being in the Holy Spirit. And that's what unifies us, right? The Lordship of Jesus. So when you graduates, some of you leave your, your parents' home and you're, you're off in colleges and you're off in living elsewhere, some of you. Be discerning of spirits. Be discerning of people who claim to be Christians and, and ideas that claim to be Christian and might sound good. Make sure you're running them through the test. Are they submitting? Is the church maybe that you're looking for submitting to Christ? That's where we need to find our unity. Verses 4 through 6. These statements look similar, very similar at first, and they are similar. But there's something here that that Paul is pointing out. There's a Trinitarian reference here in these three statements. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, the same Holy Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Jesus being that Lord, as was Mentioned in verse 3, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son, is mentioned in verse 5 there. And then verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but the same God, God the Father, who is often referred to as God in the New Testament, distinguishing from God and the Son. So we have the Trinity right here. The, The fact that There are a variety of gifts among God's people is a reflection of the true nature of the Trinity. Our God, three persons in one, three distinct persons with different roles, but all incredibly, perfectly in harmony with each other. They're unified. It's one God. One. But three persons. We're reflecting the Trinity as we are uh, using the, the diversity of our gifts within the church, the gifts that God has given us, spiritual gifts. And these, so differences can often create fear in us, right? But, but differences should not create fear. In regards to differences of spiritual gifts, maybe differences of personality, these should not create a spirit of fear, especially in the body of Christ. 
should not create fear or pride or avoidance or even hate. These differences in spiritual gifts, reflection, a a, uh, a reflection of, of the character of God, of the Trinitarian God. And, uh, and beyond that, verse 7 says, it's, manifest, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. Each and every different gift that each one of us has is a manifestation of God himself. It's not just a gift. It's not just God giving us this thing to do. Understand, when God gives you a spiritual gift, which he gives a, a, a brief list here that we read, when God gives a gift to you, it's a, a part of himself. It's a personality, if you will, a personality trait of himself that he wants to shine through you. He wants you to use for him. It's him. It's his personality wanting to, to uh, be used uh, by you. So, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. Look at verse 7. For the common good. This is for your good. This is for my good. It, it, it's for the good of everyone in the church, for the, for the body of Christ. We'll look a little later at how it's good not only for the body of Christ, not only inward, but also it's good. It's for the common good of People outside the church, unbelievers, we can use our gifts for, uh, for the common good of unbelievers. So verse 8 through 11 is the list, the list of gifts, or it's a list of gifts. If you don't find your gifting here, uh, it's okay. It's not an exhaustive list. Uh, Romans 12, 6 through 8 has um, some, some other ones, some, some ones that aren't listed here. Ephesians 4, verse 11 does as well. As other passages in Scripture, there are many different gifts. This is just a list of gifts maybe that Paul sees in the, in the Corinthian church or maybe uh, gifts that he wishes he saw in the Corinthian church. But, but take heart, this is, this, these are not a, a list of, of it's not a, an exhaustive list. Um, there are higher gifts. Now, 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 before I talk about higher gifts, it, it, it does mention that it, it's all these gifts, all these individuals, particular gifts. He talks about particular gifts like uh, a prophecy um, and, and faith and utterance of knowledge, right? All, all these different kinds of gifts. But he reiterates, it's the same Spirit. So don't, don't get hung up on the diversity of these gifts. Don't divide because you're different. Unify because these different gifts are from the same Spirit that is completely unified in the Godhead. They have a uh, and, and, the, and God has a purpose for you, and he's given you a gift. So, so don't look down upon your gift. Don't look down upon someone else's gift. It's all from the same Holy Spirit. We do, uh, in verse 31 of chapter 12, we are to earnestly desire higher gifts. But this is not a desire to where I'm envious of someone else, or I look down upon someone else. 
because they have a different gift than I do. Verse 12 through 13, Paul says, he describes the church and, and, and draws an illustration of, of the church as a human body. He does this for the Corinthians to help them understand the unity and the celebration of the diversity of each individual member. Every single part of our body has a function. In fact, some, some parts have more than one function. Okay? Maybe you've been gifted with more than one gift. So, but, but, but they all work together to accomplish a common goal, right? I think of eating something, right? And in order to eat something, I need to pick it up with my hands. And I, use, I need to use my fingers, right? I need to put it in my mouth. I need my mouth to eat something, right? I need uh, all the organs in my body to digest the food, okay? And, and to distribute it out. And so I can use it for energy and so I can survive, right? So there's a lot of things going on when I eat food that I don't think about. And I don't see And that's how it is with the church as well. And it's all for the common good, right? It's all for good. And it's all, we're all united by the same spirit. And and, and look at uh, verse 13. It says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. If we... If, if you have uh, repented of your sin and submitted to Jesus as Lord and Savior, then you become a part of a bigger picture. You become a part of an entity now. You're not just you doing your own thing, right? But you're a part of a bigger whole. It's not just you and Jesus. He, uh, Paul says, uh, the body does not consist of one member. You need each other. You need the whole body of Christ with all the different gifts. It's not just you and Jesus. The, the silliness of the, the body of Christ needing just one gift is compared to a body with just one body part. It's silly at best, kind of gruesome at worst, right? Just a hand laying there, right? No, that's not a body. That's a body part. And it belongs to a bigger picture uh, for a specific purpose. So we have, uh, in verse 15 through 20, we have an attitude towards this. Paul describes an attitude of inferiority. Some, some of you may feel like you don't have a very good spiritual gift. Maybe you don't even know and you haven't discovered what your spiritual gift is or gifts are. And you feel inferior. Why don't I have a gift like so-and-so? Why, you know, I, I am not even valuable because I don't have a certain gift. What, do, what, what, am, I, what am I to do? So, uh, so the, the fir- this first attitude is an inferior attitude. And, and Paul, Paul says in, in 15, even if you say, I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Just because you think that you are inferior does not make you inferior. Have you ever had a thought 
that was contrary to the truth. Maybe it was a worrisome thought. You just worried, worried, worried. You find out that wasn't even true. Like, you, like the, the thing that you were worrying about wasn't even a thing. Oftentimes, it's our, uh, sometimes, for some people, it's assurance of salvation. Man, I feel like I'm not saved. Does that, is that a reflection of what's true? No. Not if you're submitting to, the, to Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior and, and keeping that posture. Feelings can, can lead you astray. Feelings can lead you astray. And, and if you're feeling inferior about your spiritual gift or if you perceive you don't have a spiritual gift, that, that feeling is not true. You have a spiritual gift. You have a manifestation of the Spirit, God himself, in you. Not just in you in a relational way, right? Like, he's your buddy and he's your friend. He, that's true. Like, you are united with him in a relational way. But there is so much more than that. He has given you a part of his personality to express and to shine forth for the common good. For, for your good and for the good of those around you, for other Christ followers, for unbelievers as well. So don't, don't feel inferior because of your gift. Discover what that is, uh, if need be, and realize that it's for a purpose. An accountant is helpful in a different way than a teacher is helpful. A youth worker is helpful in a different way than uh, the, the custodian is helpful. Different, but the same spirit. It's, we're all unified, right? And it's, they're all important. Don't look down on your gift. God has given you the gift. God has given you the gift as he saw fit. He knows you. He knows you, and he's given you this gift. The manifestation of his spirit. It's a beautiful thing. 21 through 26 talk about the other attitude. Not inferiority, but superiority. Do you feel better than someone else? Paul uh, gives the attitude here as someone would say, I have no need of you. This is uh, tough when we have relational conflict with people. Sometimes we feel like we have no need of them if there's some sort of relational conflict, right? Or maybe we just feel like our gift is better than everyone else's and, you know, there's no need for any other gifts in the church. It's good. Just me and Jesus, right? No, that's never true. It is never true, the statement, I have no need of you. That is never true. It's a tough pill to swallow if we start thinking about people in our life that there might be some relational conflict with. But we need each other. It's not independence. It's not, I, I have the gift that rules all. It's not, Dependence, which could result from the attitude of inferiority. I'm depending on everyone and I'm not giving back. I'm just consuming. It's not dependence. 
It's not independence. It's interdependence. I need you, and you need me. It's not a prideful thing, right? That, that throws out, or it should throw out, all pride in our hearts. I need you, and you need me. And it's all for the glory of God, right? Because we, we go back, it's all the manifestation of the Spirit inside us for the common good. It's all about God inside of us, making us interdependent. If one suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. How are you doing with rejoicing when someone is honored? How do you do when someone suffers? Are you suffering with them? Are you compassionate? Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Unity, right? You are the body of Christ. Unity. And individually members of it. You have value as an individual, as a unique person, a part of a diverse group of people who love Jesus. You're unique, and you have value. So one body, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. We can't separate these two. We have to we have to realize our unity in diversity. So this is not just within the church. We talked a lot about within the church. Okay, and I want to stress that for you guys because I want you to plug in to a church and to use your gifts because God has gifted you. But this also goes for outside the church. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24 and 25. Give an example of a gift, a spiritual gift, being beneficial to an outsider or an unbeliever. Prophecy, if all prophesy, then, then one, an unbeliever, might come to repentance, might glorify God, God, might worship God and declare that God is in this place. That is uh, an example of a spiritual gift benefiting an unbeliever, being missional, right? Evangelism, and uh, the evangelist is mentioned in uh, Ephesians 4.11 to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So really, it's for all of us to, to have a heart of evangelism. That's a spiritual gift. That's thinking missionally, making disciples of all nations. So as you can see, this is not just for the church but this, this should be something that the church is identified as, right? And, and as the church sees the unity in diversity, they will be drawn to glorify God and worship him to repent of their sin. So what if you don't know what your spiritual gift is? Maybe you haven't discovered that yet. Just real quick, give you a, a, some, some pointers for that. Find out what help the body needs. So some of you will stay here and be a part of this church. Find out what, what the, the, the body of Christ needs here. There's a list on the screen of all the different ministries of this church. Look at how many ministries, sub-ministries, we have here at our church. You know what this means? This means that people are serving. 
People are using their spiritual gift. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the ministry on the screen. There wouldn't be a ministry for that. So people are serving. People are stepping up and using their gifts to the glory of God. Praise God, right? The um, manifestation uh, of the Spirit is shining through people as they lead and serve in these ministries. So praise God. But maybe some of you, uh, graduates, and some of you in this room, maybe, you don't, maybe you're not serving right now and, and you don't know where to serve. Ask one of the, uh, a ministry leader of, of some of these ministries. Ask a pastor. Call the church office. Well, where is the need? I'll tell you right now. Awana needs some leaders, needs some help. VBS is coming up soon. Maybe you can help with that, right? Something just fresh on my mind. But, but find out what the body needs. You've you got to ask questions in order to find out, right? You've got to ask questions. And, and then number two, pray. Pray about those needs. When you find out what the needs are, pray about them. Pray and ask God to um, bring in laborers um, and ask God to soften your heart, to, to reveal where he would, he would want to place you. And sometimes that's difficult because we might not enjoy a particular thing, right? A particular uh, need that needs to be met. And we need to pray through that. Uh, which leads me to my third point. What do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy doing? That's... Uh, it's important to, to know what you enjoy because uh, God's going to use that, right? Now, I think first of all, what, what, what's the need? You know, asking yourself what the, what the need is and praying through that. But, but also asking yourself, what do I enjoy doing? Because God has given you a specific gift or uh, in many cases, many of you have many gifts, okay? So what do you enjoy doing? I, I sometimes tell people, what what you enjoy doing? What's your passion? And what's your, what are your gifts? Those, those are two different things, right? What do you enjoy doing and what is your gift? Sometimes they're two different things. And where do they align, right? Wherever they align, that is your sweet spot. Find a place to serve in that spot, right? That would be ideal, of course, right? Um, what is your passion, what, it, what do you enjoy doing, and what is your gifting, right? And find out where those two intersect. So, which leads me to, my, the, to the fourth point, uh, seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. Maybe you don't know your, uh, spirit, maybe you don't know your spiritual gift, right? So you can't answer the question, where does your passion and gift align? Um, or maybe you, you think you know your spiritual gift, but but maybe if you sought some godly counsel, maybe that would help you to confirm that gift or maybe deny that gift, okay? It, bring people around you that know you, parents, mentors, small group leaders. Bring around people that know you and it can speak into your life. This is your gift. We see that you're strong in this area. Um, so seek godly counsel and then finally just serve Sometimes you might hit a brick wall in one of, the, one of these things. You know, in the process of trying to figure out what you're gifted in, you may hit a brick wall. Well, there's no needs. Or maybe you think there's no needs, right? And you just kind of give up. Well, no, plug in and serve somewhere. Even if you don't know what you enjoy doing, just start doing something. Maybe God will give you joy in that situation. Joy that you're using uh, your gift to the glory of God.
and you are stepping out and serving. So look at the graduates in front of me. You guys have such a diverse, beautiful amount of gifts in each of you. And you guys, as you have graduated and as you've gone through this church, you've grown up. You've gone through, uh, some of you, Awana and, and Sunday School and, and, and student ministries, some of you, and, and you've, you've matured academically. You've graduated high school. And here, as a part of this church, you have matured in the Lord. I think of the verse uh, that describes Jesus as he was growing up, and he grew up in wisdom and in stature. And as he was doing that, he was growing not only in wisdom and stature, but also favor with God and with man. And that's what I want from you guys. This is not a cutoff point. It's a, it's a, it's a launching point um, for you guys to, to continue to grow in, in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So join a local church. You're always welcome here. Um, use the, the variety of gifts that God has given you. After all, we have the same spirit, right? The same Lord, Jesus Christ, and the same God, our Heavenly Father, who empowers us all and has given us a variety of gifts for the common Good. Let's pray. Thank you, Father God, that you have chosen us to reflect your character to the world. Thank you for each and every one of these graduates and the hard work that they have put into their studies the hard work that they have put into denying themselves, taking up the cross and following Jesus. May they continue to do that. May they plug in to a, to a local body of Christ that is diverse but unified under the salvation and lordship of Jesus Christ. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.